Hey everybody, it's Bevan. Welcome to my podcast, Bevan, a femme over 40 and her friends. With me, your host, Bevan. I am here alone today. We're doing a solo episode. This is also only episode two, so welcome to episode two. Uh, The first episode, Start Before You're Ready, published that I think about six months ago. So, uh, you know, definitely before I was ready. So much of my life has changed since that episode launched, and um, you know what? Here I am, just reporting live from the trenches of my life, Um, really looking forward to this last quarter, half, third of 20, I guess we're on the last third of 2019, the last 20, the last third of 2019 is my year, I'm definitely (laughs) just making it happen, Um, Because you know what? Like, hope is a life force, um, and it's something that I've recently learned that is something you learn. It's not something that's just necessarily inherent. It's something that you have to cultivate and create and choose again and again. And uh, believe me, in the last six months, I've had to choose hope so many times and, um, and just, like, feel that little bright light in me somewhere, somehow pulling me forward, even when um, a lot of times I wanted to quit, I still kind of want to quit. Like, there's just so much um, struggle I've had to work through, um, just personally, emotionally, financially, um, that I still, nothing has solved. But um, a couple of weeks ago, I just kind of realized, like, I think I poked my head up and I realized, you know what, nothing about my external circumstances has changed. Um, I still, like, I'm struggling to pay my bills, struggling to pay rent, still don't have a roommate um, in this big house that my ex left me in. Um, I'm a renter, so um, it's like a great deal for where I live in Los Angeles. But, um, you know, if people are looking for a roommate, then maybe they're not looking for my deal. I don't know. I just like, I feel like things um, have just proven out to be harder than I thought. And this isn't even how I was going to start this episode, but we're just going to stick to it because if I don't record it, it's never going to get done. And uh, perfect is the enemy of the good, right? So, you know, whatever. So even though, you know, my external circumstances still hadn't changed, I decided that I was going to do my level best to change my attitude because I know that our perspective is what enhances or experiences our reality or how we experience our reality. And I have learned that... um, My attitude is the one thing that I can control. And so even though nothing about my external circumstances hadn't changed, I just decided to try to be glad no matter what and to just really experience the blessings I have in my life because I have so many. And um, I do gratitude. I do a gratitude practice pretty much every day as I'm going to bed. I say at least three to five things that I'm super grateful for. And that is great. But I needed more. I needed to turn up the juice on that. Um, And part of why I realized that was that, like, this time last year, um, I was engaged to be married. I had a partner who I believed loved and supported me no matter what and was really committed to our relationship. And I, um, you know, had some popularity on the Internet. And I was pursuing, like, my highest dream um, in terms of entrepreneurship and I was being supported by my partner and like all of those things were true last year, but in my own Capricorn way, I was like really focused on like, Oh, but I don't have this yet. Oh, but I don't have that yet. Instead of just like really sitting in gratitude for my life. And now I look back and I'm just like, Oh girl, you had it easy back then. Um, it's a lot harder now. And you know, like just having that bit of perspective has helped me shift the perspective on my life. Like 
you know, I still don't know how I'm going to pay rent and rent is due, uh, in, I think, 18 days from today. So, um, you know, things just keep shifting for me and I'm just trying to like ride these waves like a surfer and try to find my gladness no matter what. And honestly, like, uh, there's just so much I've gone through in the last year and, um, I want to do what I call like Monday morning quarterbacking. Some people use that phrase to mean like, you know, some person at a water cooler just saying what they would have done in place of the quarterback. I say Monday morning quarterback, and I mean the quarterback who cares about uh, leading their team and who watches the tapes and who reviews and takes a solid inventory and knows that they can do better because they can refine their performance next time. So when I'm talking Monday morning quarterback, I'm talking about that from a leadership perspective. I'm talking about that as me, as the leader of my life. Um, I want to look at my past as my school. I am not defined by my past. I'm not held back by my past and I'm not doomed to repeat my lessons because I look at my challenges and I understand what the lessons are so that I don't have to repeat them because there are some that I had to repeat because I did not like take the time to thoroughly understand what that lesson was. And, um, and then also I think sometimes we get to repeat lessons in our lifetime because we get to learn them deeper as deeper individuals. Um, I, have learned a whole lot in my life about rejection and being resilient to rejection. And honestly, like, um, it was so hard when I was dating early on in my dating years, um, rejection from people risking rejection was just felt awful about dating. And now like, I feel like very neutral about dating rejection. I see all dating rejection as a favor ultimately, because I've, you know, it's played out in my life. Almost anyone who's ever rejected me for a date invite ended up being someone I've wouldn't have wanted to date anyway, or would have been a bad idea to date. And so I'm glad for that rejection now. And as an entrepreneur, I face rejection constantly. So I feel like rejection is like 10x as an entrepreneur versus um, as someone just out in the dating field. Um, And, you know, it's, it's good to develop these skills and to continue to add to these skills that I've developed. Um, I call this episode my gay divorce episode. Um, because I really identify with the term gay divorce. Honestly, I grew up not believing that I was ever going to be able to get married. I thought that I was not going to have that legal opportunity. Uh, when I grew up, uh, there weren't any gay out gay people on TV. Um, I came of age before Ellen came out on TV. Um, it was a real sort of barren time in terms of media for queer folks. And, um, so Back then, gay marriage was like, you know, just a commitment ceremony, Uh, doing the best you could with the legal resources available to like, you know, get your powers of attorney and and reciprocal trusts and all the things that you could do to try to make uh, your relationship as quote unquote legal as possible without the right to marriage. And marriage is a bundle of rights. It's um, at least a thousand rights on the federal level, if not more than that. I'm a little rusty on that. But, um, but gay marriage was a big deal and it was a big deal to fight for. Um, obviously it's not the only thing that queers need for justice, but like, you know, I'm glad that we have the right to marry, but since gay marriage was never necessarily a legal thing that I could do early in my life, like, I feel like I've now had three gay divorces because even though I wasn't ever technically married, still haven't technically gotten married, um, I have been engaged twice 
And I've had three long-term relationships that were committed, where we lived together, we shared pets, we shared cell phone bills, we shared basically lots of financial things. My most recent relationship was the closest to married I've ever been, particularly because um, she was financially supporting me um, after we moved to Los Angeles together. So I feel like every single one of those breakups had strong elements of divorce. I'm very grateful that none of those relationships had an actual legal divorce because legal divorce is very expensive. And um, I like to say that signing a prenuptial agreement um, is a coupon off of a divorce. Um, It also, I think, provides everyone a whole ton of clarity about what happens if you break up, which I think creates a more secure relationship ultimately. Um, I can talk at length about prenuptial agreements, which I can share with you um, uh, at another time, or um, you can actually get, I'm, I'm a guest speaker in uh, Ride Free Fearless Money's um, Couples Finances course. So I actually talk at length about the things you can do to protect yourself financially with your partner. Um, so I can link to that in the show notes over at queerfatfem.com. Um, but I believe I have, I am now a thrice gay divorcee because I've had three of these long-term partnerships that I've had to unravel both emotionally and like financially. And, um, also I think perhaps I might have, um, cursed myself into (laughs) these gay divorces because I, um, so in 2008, Proposition 8 passed in California, and it was a proposition that said that only marriage between a man and a woman is valid or recognized in California. And that, uh, I wasn't even living in California at the time. I was in New York City, but there were a ton of protests in support of California's LGBTQ population, um, and one of which was in Manhattan, which I went to. And I carried a sign that said, I deserve the right to be the lesbian Liz Taylor. And I had just gotten broken up with um, from my previous relationship, from my first engagement. So I had all this random bridal swag because I was planning a wedding. Um, And so I put on a little veil um, and a cute dress that looked like something you would wear to a courthouse wedding. And I wore that with that sign about being a lesbian Liz Taylor. And it was in Gawker. And it was really cute. And I love that picture. And I'll put it in the show notes. But, like, I don't actually want to be the lesbian Liz Taylor. I'd love to just get married to one person and have that, like, stick. Um, But I need to find a person who is, like, committed to personal growth at the level that I am. And um, a lot of standards of excellence I have for um, who I will eventually get married to. But now that I'm a thrice gay divorcee, I'm like, ugh, lesbian Liz Taylor thing is really coming through in a way I wasn't anticipating. Um, But I really just think that, like, Um, I can learn a lot from what I've been through recently, Um, and I wanted to share with you what some of my big takeaways and learnings have been from this big breakup. In case any of you out there are, like, going through a breakup yourself or maybe had a breakup a while ago that, like, you're still kind of, like, knocking the pieces out of and trying to figure out what your lessons are, maybe you can see some of yourself in my journey, or maybe you're just nosy and curious about how I'm doing. All of your intentions are welcome. Um, as I, uh, kind of do a little postmortem, um, the thing that I like to, um, start with is just acknowledging that like time is a great healer because it does like the passage of time does help you move forward. But I believe that if you leave your, uh, wounds unexamined and if you leave, um, your lessons unlearned, you're just doomed to repeat them. And, um, for me, 
it's been really helpful to kind of look at what's been coming up for me after this big breakup. Um, my ex and I, uh, moved to California together and that is kind of really where things kind of, um, got more entangled for us. Um, we first got together in, um, 2012, um, around when the age of Aquarius began, which was, uh, December 21st, 2012. Um, and I just say that cause it felt like a really like momentous time in life. And I felt like us getting together around that time, like we were, we were a very cosmic partnership. Um, Dara and I had a lot of spirituality, um, in common. I had never dated someone whose, uh, beliefs, uh, in terms of like how the universe works aligned so closely to mine. Um, I was still like, um, within the first like five years of my spiritual journey. Um, and so it was, it just felt really meaningful to have that kind of, uh, connection. And I truly felt like our connection was cosmic. Um, and, um, we dated casually the first few months we were together. It was like, it started to me, like I thought we were just going to be like friends with benefits. I was not taking her seriously in any way. And, um, then, she broke up with me so that she could go be a single nomad and just like hit the road and do whatever. So she was like doing some consulting, making about $15,000 a year, like enough to kind of couch surf and live off of and um, be flexible. Um, And so she hit the road. And I thought that I just thought that she was an idiot for breaking up with me because we had a strong connection. And I was just like, why would you leave something so good? Um, And for me, when we were broken up during that time, it just the grief felt incommensurate with the loss, meaning that I was feeling super sad about this person that I was like, why am I feeling sad about this person? Why is this feeling like such an intense loss? So I did a lot of spiritual work around it. Um, and I talked to, um, an astrologer friend who, um, gave me a little, a great disconnection uh, of the cord ritual, disconnecting the cord. Um, And that helped a lot, um, just emotionally. I kind of felt a big relief after I did that ritual. Um, And, you know, I wouldn't have even considered connecting with her again because she was not being a good friend to me. And, like, after a couple of, like, you know, skipped phone dates and um, just, like, kind of disrespecting me in my time, I was like, you know what, I'm all good. I don't need you as a friend. Um, But then she came back to town, to New York. We were, I was living there. She was on the road. She came back to town and... um, First sent me an email saying she wanted to see me, uh, and then, uh, or no, first sending me an email that said she, she wanted to talk about whether or not she wanted to see me. So she wanted to process with me about whether she wanted to see me. Whereas like, meanwhile, I'm just like, no, I don't want to talk to you. I don't need to talk to you. But, um, then she sent me another email saying, oh, it looks like we're both RSVP to the same play party, blah, blah, blah. And I did not want the first time I saw her to be at a play party where I wanted to have fun, like, with the friends that I was going to this party with on a road trip. Like, we had it all planned out. So I was like, ugh, fine, let's hang out briefly. We'll have tea and we'll catch up. So that way, like, because I kind of knew if I saw her, I would probably cry. And so knowing that, I wanted to get it out of the way (laughs) instead of doing it in public. So it felt like self-care to me. What ended up happening, of course, is that we slept together, um, and I told her I could be benefits but not friends. I was like, you're not a good friend to me, so I don't want to be your friend. Um, and so we were benefits without friends, but meanwhile, while that was happening, she got diagnosed with breast cancer. So then about, like, uh, three weeks after her visit, she called me, told me, and she was back on the road again. She told me she was diagnosed with breast cancer and she was coming back to New York for treatment. 
Um, and I like was totally out of my mind. I didn't know what to do. Um, I was just like, well, I really love this person. I still love this person. Um, and they have cancer. So what, how am I going to be in this? Like, how am I going to show up? And I just decided to just keep it loose, keep it tight, um, and be available, like to a reasonable respect, hang out with her, enjoy company. And it was so interesting because when she came back to town for treatment, it felt like everything was different. It felt like we were like super vibed up. We were super synced up. Um, it just felt like everything was meant to be. And we suddenly felt so much more comfortable with each other than we ever had during that first um, iteration that we dated. And so, of course, like when people have cancer, like um, they have often realizations about their lives. Um, my, I had a, as a, I basically like stepped into a caretaking role for Dara at that point. Like, um, really like, because I was working for myself at the time, I was a lawyer in New York. Um, I had my own law firm and I was doing mostly real estate closings and uh, all of my work was pretty flexible. So I could go to all of her appointments with her to the doctor. And like, as we were just like, kind of like falling back into our connection with each other and really rediscovering each other, like through this cancer journey, it was just like such a weird discombobulated time, which is unlike any beginning of any relationship I've ever had. Cause normally like you date, you slowly get to know somebody. Um, and you, then you deepen a relationship, right? Uh, maybe, maybe that's not, I don't know. Maybe that's not normal for lesbians, but like for me, that's usually how it happens. It's a little bit of a slower roll, but with this time around, because we had already dated and I felt like I knew her, like I kind of skipped a lot of my evaluation period, um, and just kind of dove into this feels great. And also you might die. So, you know, here, here we go. And, um, there was just like a few significant patterns in her previous, um, relationships that I had failed. I I just overlooked basically, um, that seemed to repeat, um, in this breakup with me this time around. So I was like, Oh wow. Like I wish I had like, when I was getting back together with her, I wish I had taken the time to just kind of evaluate what had gone on and to maybe make some, uh, clearer choices or requests around like what I needed from her in terms of personal growth. Um, because she basically declared to me when we got back together, she was ready to make her relationships a priority. And she had told me before that she was never making relationships a priority. And that's what all of her exes always said is that she didn't make relationships a priority. And she was definitely a workaholic, um, was working like when I met her the first time she was working like 15 hours a day on this, like, um, huge project that she created that was like not paying her bills. She was living off her savings and just working like a dog on this thing. Um, and, uh, when she got diagnosed with cancer, she gave up that big project, uh, or stepped back from it, I should say. And like, then just focused on her consulting and on healing and also told me that she was ready to make relationships a priority and that time would tell, like time was on her side about this. Um, and so I really believed her. I took her word for it. Um, and I want to say that I have learned in hindsight that cancer does not change people. The things that work to actually make personal growth and change are therapy, recovery programs, um, coaching programs, uh, diligent personal work that involves some sort of external accountability. And so, you know, those are ways that people actually change. People don't just change because they declare they've changed. Maybe that happens for some people, but like most people need external help in order to make lasting, meaningful change. Otherwise, they just fall back into their own patterns and do everything the same. So 
Her previous long-term relationship where she was domestically partnered with someone, um, she broke up with that person because she was depressed. She said, oh, so-and-so is depressed, and so I broke up with her. After eight years together because of a depression. And, like, I definitely could have seen that as a giant red flag. And I chose not to see that as a giant red flag. Because when she broke up with me this time in February of 2019... She told me it was because she was breaking up with my trauma, not me. So thus blaming it on my mental health um, and not on me personally, which I'm just going to say there's a lot of flaws in, um, in that statement. First and foremost, no one should be shamed for their trauma. Um, no one chooses their trauma. Trauma happens to people. Like Trauma is just like part of um, living life. And unfortunately, like a lot of us are like raised in traumatizing environments and I am not an exception. I have I've had tons of trauma in my life. Um, but I'm also a person who believes very much in personal growth work and I work really hard to heal from the effects of my traumas. And I think I'm doing a darn good job. Actually. I think I've come a long way, even just in the six years I was with Dara. Like I think my healing and coping mechanisms are like way stronger because I have done therapy, coaching, personal growth work, spiritual growth work, like, uh, physical work to release trauma, like personal study about the effects of trauma and how that can be released. I incorporate trauma healing and release in Facky Dance Party, my aerobics class all the time. So I actually really focus a lot on healing trauma. I'm not just like out here, like trying to re-traumatize other people. I'm doing the best I can to heal myself so that I can be a boss babe, uh, for all the people in my life. And so to hear that, just felt super invalidating, you know, to have like the person that is supposed to love and support me the most, um, tell me that they're breaking up with me because of things that are just like completely out of my control and, um, stuff that I wouldn't have chosen, um, to live my life. And I just, I want to tell you out there, if you're listening to this, that you are worthy and valid and that your traumas are not your choice and, um, you shouldn't be punished for them. And, like, I would way have preferred Dara to have tell, told me, like, you know what, like, my journey with you is over, and this is, I have personal reasons where I can't be with you anymore, rather than, like, making it all about me. Um, it also feels super frustrating, because, like, my trauma coping mechanisms, like, when I'm really triggered, and I'm really, like, I don't, when I freak out, like, I don't even, like, hysterically burst out at anybody else. I literally just completely shut down and go isolate. So it's so funny. Like, I, it's like when, when I feel like my, my trauma is the reason for this breakup, it's like, it's like she sees me as this monster raging around, which I don't even rage. And I don't, I don't even get hysterical that often. Um, and it's just like, um, yeah, just like it felt super shitty to have her tell me it was about my mental health. And even though I'm like, have been working diligently on my mental health and she has done no personal growth work uh, whatsoever in the time that we were together, no coaching or no, she did a business coach once, but that wasn't like about personal growth. It was just about like how to run your business. Um, I, she asked me to go to couples therapy uh, before we moved to California and I felt frustrated because at the time I was in counseling and had been in for a year and a half and she was not in any counseling and it felt annoying that she wanted me to be in couples counseling and regular counseling, but she wouldn't go to counseling. So she did three sessions with a therapist that she felt superior to, um, and then stopped going. Um, and so that was kind of the extent of all the therapy she did while we were together. 
um, during the last like four months of our relationship, after she told me that she felt unimportant and unloved in an email, I said, okay, great. I think we should go see a couples counselor again because I'm trying to make you feel important and loved. And if you're not hearing, feeling that for me, I think we have some communication stuff we need to work on. And so, um, having her like, and then I, the thing that I, she asked me to do personal growth on myself. Um, and so I did, I threw myself uh, back into Al-Anon, which I've been in recovery in Al-Anon for nine years. So I like recommitted to my program. I like doubled down on a lot of personal growth work. Um, I have done with some spiritual coaches. Um, I was taking classes with Kyle Cease, who I enjoy a great deal. And wow, those classes have really blown up in my life. Um, and you know, and like also doubling down on some prosperity consciousness work, which I will tell you, this is a pro tip. If you have a partner who is stressed out about money, um, and they're coming from a real fear and scarcity lack place around money. Um, and you decide to start doing work on prosperity consciousness. I'm just going to tell you, it's just going to make you di- more different than your partner. Um, because I thought this prosperity consciousness uh, work that I was doing was going to help me make more money, which I think it will in the long run. I truly do um, believe in the prosperity and abundance available for all of us. I just like am not seeing the fruits right now. And so I'm trying to like be out of my... Um, freak out place and get into that prosperity abundance vibe, but certainly didn't help with Dara. Like she is just like real scared about money. Um, and I know that money stuff was like a big issue for her towards the end of our relationship. Um, but I actually truly believe that we were going to break up anyway. Um, because I think that like the money stuff was just, uh, it could, you could swap it out with anything because people who have fear and anxiety are just going to put it on another thing. Like if they're not doing any work, to work on the fear and anxiety. It just gets transposed to something else. You solve one problem, you look and find another. I think we always find as many problems as we're looking for. Um, so I just, you know, I tried really hard. Like I worked really hard on my personal growth. Um, you know, just in general in life, I'm always trying to grow. Um, I, I'm one of those people that really believes we can get 1% better every day. And that's the only results I've ever seen is slow and steady um, pursuit of my excellence and of just getting a little bit better. I can't do anything cold turkey. I can't do anything overnight, but I can do things slow and steady. And so I choose to do that because I believe I'm here for a purpose and I'm here to help other people and I help other people better if I keep getting better myself. Um, and so I, um, another thing I noticed, so I want to talk through like the finances of our relationship because that is something that I've really examined was um, when I moved to California, I moved here specifically because of Dara. Um, I never thought I was going to move back to California. I grew up in the Bay Area. I moved to Philly when I was 21 or actually technically moved to Camden, New Jersey when I was 21, but the Philly area. Um, And I lived in Philly specifically for a few years and then I moved up to Jersey City, and then Brooklyn. So I was on the East Coast for 15 years. Didn't think that New York was like a forever place for me. Um, I knew the city was starting to wear me down. But I thought I would move someplace a little bit more chill, um, like Atlanta probably. And um, But uh, Dara really wanted to move to L.A. And after she had was thwarted from moving to L.A. by cancer, she kind of like began to lobby me to move to L.A. with her. And... I had a rent-stabilized apartment with a roommate I really liked in Brooklyn, and I had a steady enough stream of law clients that I was able to kind of prioritize my art and activism and live, like, I was pretty broke, but, like, I was living okay, like, you know, 
was always striving to get ahead but not quite making it. But, like, you know, had a thing, had a trade um, that paid me pretty good money and allowed me kind of a lifestyle that enabled me to prioritize self-care, which I knew was super important to me. Um, So moving to L.A. was not on my agenda. But Dara lobbied for a solid nine months before I decided um, to really consider it. Um, She took me out to L.A. for a trip um, just to check it out. uh, And... You know, we got to visit my grandmother. My grandmother got to meet Dara on that trip. And um, and I kind of realized, you know, L.A. is very close to my beloved grandmother, who I loved so much and had wanted to see more often. Um, she was one of my best friends, honestly. And, like, I wanted to see my grandmother more often. And I knew moving to L.A. would enable me to see her a lot because she lived in Palm Springs. So, um, like, that was kind of a consideration. Um, and, you know, the real seductive thing was that Dara said that she would support my career transition because I knew I didn't want to be a lawyer. Uh, Lawyers have four times the national rate of suicide. So I just want you to say, like, when people ask me, why aren't you a lawyer anymore? That's the statistic I like to pull out because it's true. Um, The last time I had a law firm job, I was contemplating suicide every day. Um, It was, and I already struggle with suicidality. I was very suicidal as a teenager. Um, and when I go through times of great uncertainty and difficulty, um, like I have in the last six months, um, suicidality is part of it. Um, and I don't need a profession that makes that even more present for me. I would rather stay alive, um, than be a lawyer. So that is something that like I already knew was on my heart. And also my area of law doesn't exist. People don't, lawyers don't do house closings in California. I don't think that's wise. I actually do think you should have a lawyer when you're signing a contract for the biggest purchase most people will make. But, you know, the California legislature didn't ask me. They have it um, with title companies and escrow companies. Um, so I had thought about becoming a real estate agent when I moved to California. That was going to be kind of my day job hustle. Um, and, you know, but it was seductive. Dara's um, consulting business was starting to do better, and it's portable, so we could move out to California. She paid for the move, um, and so I just kind of decided to go along with it and to risk it. Um, we had talked about getting a cohabitation agreement when we moved, um, and we priced it out, and it was going to cost us 1500 bucks, including a friends and family discount, to write one, um, which, you know, is pretty much market rate, right? Like for an, an agreement like that. And frankly, I'm going to encourage anybody out there who's thinking about getting a cohabitation agreement to just go ahead and do it. I think it's super smart. Um, you want to be that protected. And, um, frankly, I think, uh, our breakup this time around, uh, when Dara broke up with me would have been easier if we had actually had a cohabitation agreement. Um, but you know, whatever I, um, so Moving out to California, we had kind of originally agreed that it was going to be six months where she was going to support me uh, while I tried to, like, get on my feet about what I wanted to do. And um, I don't, like, she really encouraged me to go for my dreams. I have to say, like, I loved having a loving and supportive partner. Like, even though she was kind of shitty um, in some respects and especially towards the end, she was really encouraging. And it was really nice to have a cheerleader at home who mostly cheered me on through everything except the stuff that she was judgy about. And, like, especially my entrepreneurial ventures. Like, when I first got to California, um, I really wanted to do my tea company, Bevan's Tea, um, and I started it with no capital, mind you. And I learned that starting a small product-based business with no capital is 
very, very challenging. It's not impossible, but it's pretty close to impossible. So I did okay on a pre-sale that I did. So I was able to sell tins and then fulfill the tins using the money from the sale in order to pay for the tins. Um, but like doing it as ongoing um, sales was really hard because it was hard to keep inventory. Um, it was like very much more um, time inefficient to produce on demand um, the tea for folks. Um, and I was making basically like loose leaf tea, very delicious, um, and infusing it with Reiki healing energy. The idea is for busy activists who don't have time, or busy anybody who doesn't have time to have a full Reiki session or doesn't have the money to do a full Reiki session, a $20 tin of tea that every single um, tea that you brew with it, every cup you brew, um, is a little Reiki healing, and that Reiki helps to alleviate stress, depression, anxiety, um, and helps create balance. So I think I, I do Reiki on myself every single day, and I think it's one of the most cornerstone parts of my self-care. And um, so doing it with tea was, like, totally on my heart to do. So I started this tea business, and I kind of focused on that. Um, and I, oh, if I could go back in time, just be a little fat fairy on Bevan's shoulder in 2016, I would be like, babe, get your real estate license. Start hustling on real estate because you can't trust Dara. She won't stay there. Um, but I really trusted her. I really believed in her. Like by that point, the time will tell, um, time is on my side argument really worked. Um, and I just really believed that she was like with me. We were in it together. She said, Oh, of course we're going to get married. We decided to get married like feminists. Like we decided together. Um, she said, we'll just do it when, uh, we have the money to pay for a big wedding. She was always saying we needed to have a big wedding. It was a very important thing that it'd be a big wedding. Which, like, you know, was a little weird because, like, I kind of would have preferred to just go to the courthouse and get married so that we could have those rights. Because, honestly, like, I had nothing protecting me financially from her just bailing. And um, that played out in 2019 <laughs> that, I, that she bailed. Um, and so I did not pursue... You know, what was like, it, you know, being a real estate agent isn't necessarily on my heart, but it's something I'm very good at. I really understand real estate. Um, and I have like, obviously, uh, 15 years of experience in real estate. So I, um, you know, I don't know how well I would have done, but I also like to trust the path that I'm on and trust where I'm at is where I'm meant to be. Right. So like, even though I would go back in time and tell myself, get the practical thing because you cannot rely on this bum. Um, I also know that it happened for a reason. So I'll tell you out there, if you are considering being supported by your partner, get married, uh, that will protect you. Get a cohabitation agreement that will protect you. Um, get an actual hustle that will pay you money and make your own money that will protect you. Um, but just believing in someone, there's no guarantee there and that's okay. Like you can choose to move forward on faith. Um, I like moving forward on faith in general, especially when it comes to God, but maybe not so much with other people. And I sincerely doubt that I will ever, ever, ever allow a partner to support me again. But, you know, who knows? Maybe this is just something I get to keep trying till it works. Um, but, you know, the good news is I started Fat Kid Dance Party in my aerobics class because I was in that environment with Dara. Like, I would not... I mean, first and foremost, my grandmother died one year to the day after I moved to California. So moving to California with Dara, even though it was not like necessarily a top choice, um, was great just in and of the of opportunity to see my grandmother so many times the year before she passed away. She was not sick up until the last like three months of her life. So like 
all of that time was just me getting to hang out with her in all her glory and giggle with her at her table. And because I didn't have a day job, I was able to come out for a couple days at a time and just, you know, really see her more liberally than I would have. And frankly, if I could go back in time, I would have seen her every week. I would have just driven out to the desert. Um, but you know, I'm glad that I had the flexibility of life that when she was sick, I was able to go out a lot more frequently. And that when she was, uh, when it became apparent finally that she passed, she was passing away. I'll do a whole podcast about like what I've learned about death and dying, but, um, I was able to truly be at her side, uh, almost 24 seven, uh, the last five days of her life. And I am very grateful for that. And I would not have been able to do that, um, if it weren't for this relationship and the financial arrangement. Cause if I had had to go work for money, um, I wouldn't have been able to be present. Um, and you know, Dara was very supportive during that time also. Like she, uh, works remotely when she's at home, otherwise she's traveling for work. And, uh, she was able to work at, I remember her working in the closet of my grandmother's assisted living room because like the, you know, the room was too chaotic, but she was able to get a little, you know, space and quiet in the, in the closet just so that she could be there to support me and grandmother, um, in that transition. So, um, I'm glad for that time. Uh, right after my grandmother passed away, I started teaching faculty dance party aerobics. Um, and I really threw myself into it. Uh, and then when I got, um, and like aerobics, gosh, dance aerobics has saved my life so many times. Um, and I, um, was able to be really present for that aerobics class and really like give it a shot because, you know, I was essentially a housewife. Like I was doing work for Dara, I was doing clerical work for her. I was booking her flights. I was getting her custom made shirts. I was cooking her meals, a lot of this heavy anti-cancer diet that she has, um, really like supporting her. I never felt like I was a good enough housewife. So I just want to be like hashtag Capricorn honesty, um, because like, it's really hard for Capricorns to ever think that we're good enough. Um, and I just like always had like a higher standard for myself, but I will say like, since this breakup, I have gone through like a full KonMari of my house. Like I've decluttered almost every room, which I highly recommend to anyone going through a breakup is just do a full declutter, get all of, reevaluate everything you have so that you can decide if you need it in the life that you're making going forward. Plus it enabled me to get all of Dara's stuff out of my house because she did not do a thorough job packing when she moved out. Um, she left so much behind. So I like, there was like one fell swoop where she came and got everything, um, that I had like decluttered. And now my house is like really nice. It's like kind of a level I always thought it should be when I was a housewife. Um, and you know, but, but you know, we live and learn and, and I didn't really grow up knowing how to keep a tidy house. Uh, my mom is very brainiac and not like Holly homemaker. Um, so, you know, it's, fine. You kind of, you can learn these things. You can adapt to them. So looking at myself like two, three years later, I'm a way better homemaker now than I was, you know, two or three years ago. And it's practice, right? Like learning what it takes to keep a tidy home. Um, so I'm proud of myself for that growth. Um, I also, so I, in the course of our relationship, I helped Dara build her business from $15,000 a year to over $150,000 a year. Um, and she was supporting us and, um, you know, then I was doing faculty dance party. There was a video about my class that went viral, which really showed that there was like a need for, um, you know, or people out there were saying that they wanted it where they were. And so I, um, you know, like was steady working on building up faculty dance party to try to make it something that was possible. 
uh, to earn a living off of. And now I have an awesome set of four professionally produced workout videos. Um, those are available at fatkiddanceparty.com if you want to support me and support my work. Uh, they're available right now. Um, also, the thing that you can do um, if this podcast is meaningful to you or my work in the world is meaningful to you, I also teach a weekly online aerobics class through my Patreon, which is, Patreon is like the hybrid of crowdfunding and like a membership site. So there's different tiers of membership. For 25 bucks a month, you can take my weekly online aerobics class. I do a little fresh one every week. Um, for uh, five bucks a month, you can get access to my exclusive podcast of mini episodes. So they're little shorty episodes that are just tools that I use for self-care and self-love. There's some affirmation stuff on there. There's meditations, just all sorts of stuff to vibe you up as a leader in the world. And you can find that at patreon.com slash FKDP, which stands for Fat Kid Dance Party. Um, but that is truly the best way to support me and the work I do. And if you want to help this be sustainable, especially this podcast. Um, so I never, like I got caught up with Fat Kid Dance Party um, and I never pursued my real estate license. And I have to say, I freaking regret it because if I had, like within three years time, like by the time Dara and I broke up, like number one, like she would have had to break up with me for other stressed out reasons other than money because I would have been contributing to our household uh, budget by a long shot. Um, and number two, I would have been successful enough to like support myself, which I have to say much of the agony in the breakup has not been so much just, like, the painful emotional stuff of, like, the relationship, but has been, like, having to go from zero to 60 in terms of supporting myself. Um, and I let Dara move out on, uh, like, two months after she broke up with me, even though she was still on the lease of our house. Um, and I have not been able to find a roommate. It's the first time in my life I have not found a roommate really fast and super stressful having to pay $3,000 a month in rent on my house. And... Um, the even more stressful thing is I can't even afford to move if I wanted to. I've been living so hand to mouth and moment to moment and have had to borrow some money, um, in order to sustain it and working like 60 hour weeks driving Lyft and, um, trying to find a job and the money stuff is just scary. You guys, like I worked so hard, um, to love my body. When I was, like, a teenager, I hated myself so much, and I blamed everything on my body size. I thought, like, as soon as I lost weight, I was going to be happy. And then there was a moment when I was, like, 22, and I realized that was that moment wasn't going to happen. I needed to make it happen already. And so I decided to be happy with my body no matter what, or just at least try to not hate myself so much. And it worked. Like, I, I worked hard at it, and then I now at this super neutral place about my body. I love my body. Um, I'm neutral about changes to my body. Um, I don't find value in my size, um, whether I be smaller or larger. And believe me, I've lost a little bit of weight because I usually lose weight when I'm unhappy. So you can usually tell how happy I've been based on whether I've gained a little weight or lost a little weight. So, um, it's, I feel like I've really also curated my friends and my life really well because my friends don't point out changes in my body. Cause I think I just generally never talk about people's bodies unless they bring it up to me. Because people who are dieting and they want your approval for their weight change, they're going to bring it up. And people who don't want you to talk about their body are not going to bring up their body. So that's just a little pro tip for you from me. Um, and I, so I worked really hard to get okay with being in the body I had. In my 30s, I worked really hard to get okay being single. 
Um, when Dara and I broke up the first time, I was like, okay, you know what? If I'm just going to have this life where I have these glamorous affairs, like these intense love affairs, because, you know, I have a Venus in Scorpio. I have intense uh, feelings and affairs with people, and I've had really fun romances. And, like, you know what? If my life is full of fun romances instead of being, like, one partner, I got okay with it. I was like, whatever. My life is going to be amazing no matter what. And at the time I was living in New York, I was like, look at this glamorous New York lifestyle I have. Look at these cute Muppet pets that I have, um, because I had two Persian cats and a Shih Tzu at the time, and, you know, life was just, it was good, you know, and there was, I just realized, I was like, life's going to be good no matter what, whether or not I have a partner, so I got really okay with it, and then, lo and behold, like, less than four months later, I was back together with Dara, and we were in a committed long-term partnership, it was very fast, and I was like, wow, look, I got really okay with being single, and suddenly I'm not single, Um, and you know what's fun is that that attitude survived this relationship. Dara broke up with me and like there was, there was a part of me that was sobbing because she broke up with me in couples counseling. Uh, so there's a part of me that was sobbing in the room. And then there was the part of me that was like a higher self version of myself that knew I was going to be okay no matter what and knew that God's best is still out there for me. Like, it's not even that like, I not, I don't need to have a partner because I don't, I don't need to have a partner to be happy. It's that I also know that God has someone amazing for me and like that I know that there is some awesome person who's out there who want, who's going to want to grow with me, who's going to grow in their lives 1% every day just like me, who is already living into their excellence, um, who has like lots of self-care practices and just someone who's just ready to run in life with me and be um, a strong person of character who believes in their commitments and believes in doing the work to create a sustainable, flexible relationship for both parties to flourish in. And I know that that's available for me. And someone who's going to have as much fun with me um, and joy with me as um, two people who like milk all the goodness out of life, right? So I like that sort of decision I had made to like not let my relationship status be some of like any determinant in my value was huge. And I'm glad that I made it. So I made peace with my body, and I made peace with my relationship status. And what I'm realizing now is I still haven't made peace with money because I grew up with a single mom. Um, I grew up really poor sometimes, um, sometimes working class. Sometimes there wasn't enough money to eat. My mom was stressed a lot about money. Um, and I, I just like, when I don't have enough money to pay for my rent, I feel stressed out and panicked. Um, and I want to be okay and in faith about that no matter what. And know that, like, God's got my back no matter what. And, like, I, gosh, I paid, I didn't know how I was going to pay September rent until, uh, like, mid to late August, which was scary, but it happened. Then I paid September's rent. It was a freaking miracle. And when I signed that rent check, I realized, oh, my God, this is the fifth rent check I've made on my own. That's amazing. I didn't think I could do it, and then I could, then I did it. Still don't know how I'm paying October's rent, but having done that and seeing that success, like, felt nice, um, and I'm trying just so hard to love my situation no matter what, because that's, like, where meaningful change can come from, right, is being in true loving acceptance of where you are. So I'm really trying not to let money be something that, um, influences my values, uh, or my value on myself, um, and trying to, like, be chill around money no matter what, and, um, yeah, so, like, um, the financial stuff, uh, 
is hard. Um, the financial stuff is why Dara and I are like not friends. Um, I tried hard to be friends with her actually. Um, after the breakup, um, there was just like a moment where like other stuff was falling apart in my life. And I was like, well, Dara loves me, um, and can support me. And I have exes. Like I have two favorite exes who like, I am, I would just call them on team sweet to Bevan. And they're really sweet people. They check in on me. Um, and even though we can't be in relationships with each other, like we can certainly still love one another. Um, and I figured that was going to be true for Dara too. I just like slotted her in with them and just decided to receive her friendship. And so we were cool for like a month. Um, and then she was originally supposed to give me some money for the transition, 3000 bucks, not that much. Um, especially considering the amount of rent and the fact that I let her move out on, um, April 15th, which I will say, regret doing that financially, big mistake, um, should have made her stay, uh, and at least live out the rest of her, um, tenancy, because our lease wasn't up until the end of July, so, um, letting her go, um, like, it was good emotionally, I think it's been really good to have the space and not have her around, um, because she is just a stress ball, but, um, so much fear, so much anxiety, um, and, uh, but I also, like, you know, money stress, right? Like, financially, should not have let her go. But I think, like, this is, like, something that in the long run is going to be a great decision. In the short run, feels like a bad decision. Um, but she was supposed to give me 3000 or $4,000 for the transition. Um, and she wasn't giving me that money because she wanted me to be on the hook for her credit card debt. For the debt that was entirely in her name that was racked up while she was supporting us because moving to California, she agreed to support us and kept, um, you know, saying like, keep pursuing your dreams, keep pursuing your entrepreneurial goals. Like, you know, we'll do it. And like, we were on a budget trying to get out from under our credit card debt this year. Every time we were on a budget, I adhered to it very willingly and supportively. Um, and, uh, she wanted me to sign a document that said that I owed her half of the credit card debt. And mind you, I was not running our finances. I don't know how much of that debt was even related to me or some of her work expenses. Like, I was not paying attention or tracking our finances. Which, again, that's another regret. Always, always, always pay attention to your finances. If your partner is running the finance show, be a, a, at least half involved in it and review everything. You should not be excluded from your mutual cell phone bill. I have run into that in a previous relationship where my partner would not let me see the mutual cell phone bill. Um, and that was because he was cheating on me. But um, it was still like, like the, you should have access to everything financial that affects you. And I just will give this as advice to anybody out there um, who is considering being financially blended with a partner. Have access to everything and review everything monthly and know what's going on. Um, because like her just say, she could never even pin down exactly how much our credit card debt was. It was like always a moving target and like, or her credit card debt, I should say, cause it was again, entirely in her name. Um, and that's the thing is like, she wanted me to sign a paper agreeing to pay at least half, if not the whole thing. I was never clear what she was asking for. Um, but, uh, she wanted me to pay it eventually. And I was like, no, we didn't get married. So the only thing I get out of this is that I'm not on the hook for your debt. It's not community property. So therefore, that's that's not required. Um, if we had been married, she would be on the hook for alimony for me, probably for at least two years and probably at least $2,000 a month. Um, 
because I helped her build up her business. And alimony and spousal support exists to support the non-moneyed spouse who is relying on the other spouse for financial support. Um, and so, like, just, like, I just needed that, like, transition money at least to help get that rent paid because I still didn't have a roommate. And also, she left the house, like, in shambles. She left the house, like, I had to do so much cleaning and prep work even to get it ready to have someone else live there. Um, I also needed to, like, paint and put up a door in uh, that room at a minimum um, and ended up, since I couldn't find a roommate, I ended up furnishing it. So I had to do all of that out of pocket. So, like, just trying to get that money from her, that $3,000, um, was pulling teeth, and it resulted in her deciding to withdraw her friendship from me. Uh, she could no longer be friends with me. She decided to reiterate all the reasons why she was breaking up with me in that email, declaring that she was withdrawing her friendship. So that was, like, the third time she chose to just, like, drag my faults. Um, I never once dragged her in this relationship. I've never sat down and said, okay, these are all of the reasons why I didn't want to be with you anymore. Because, um, like, I didn't feel like fighting fire with fire was going to be, um, like, useful or productive. So I didn't, and I never have, actually. Anything that I've had to say to her, I write in a letter, um, and I don't send it. Um, but I've now gotten three emails explaining why I'm uh, awful and why my mental health is a problem for her. And um, I told her, uh, in response to that last email, uh, withdrawing her friendship, I said, at this point, it is cruel of you to keep doing this. You have to stop telling me why you're breaking up with me. This is over. Um, and I, you know, like, not being friends with her is fine. It's actually better, I think. Like, I have amazing friends in my life and I feel super grateful for them and I'm working really hard to connect with as many of my friends as I can. I've been on the phone a bunch, have had some amazing catch-ups with people like gosh even my best friend from high school like we got on the phone and we went like into the deep end within two minutes of being on the phone with each other like just really like getting into our real stuff and we had not talked in like three years or maybe yeah like since our high school reunion so three years um so it was just like it's just been so good to connect with people and, like, to be reminded of my value to people in a long-term way and um, not get so hung up on everything. Um, we're going to take a little musical break. Part of me uh, recovering from this breakup is spending some good quality time with music. And I want to tell you, Melissa Etheridge, uh, her recent at-bat, like, I only think you're as good as your last at-bat, and her recent album, The Medicine Show, so good. So this is a song that has really helped me through this breakup that I hope you enjoy. You went out looking for yourself. What did you think you'd find? Just kept changing 
turn down the bed Then you lead them to the dance I think she, in the 90s, was like the original Red Flag Butch. You know, I'm the only one. Come to my window. I want to come over. Um, A lot of intense longing. But you know who's been through quite a few gay divorces? Melissa Etheridge. She knows a thing or two about breaking up. And I have really seen a lot of myself reflected in her art from this recent album, The Medicine Show. So check it out, especially if you are a lapsed Melissa Etheridge fan. Um, She's got some good stuff available. Um, so a couple more things I wanted to talk about in terms of this breakup and like my, uh, Monday morning quarterback, uh, perspective is, um, our proposal. So Dara and I had talked about getting married. I like to say getting engaged like feminists where you like decide together that you're going to get married. And then like, if there's a proposal, maybe then there's a decision about like, you know, who's proposing to who or like with the timeline or whatever. Right. Um, my last engagement. So I've been engaged twice. My first engagement, um, my fiance and I had not decided to get married. We said like it was a long-term goal, but it was definitely not a short-term decision. Um, and so when he proposed to me, I like said yes, because I didn't know how to say, I don't think this is the right time. Um, and then I just kind of like followed the avalanche of like what everyone was saying, like, Oh, let's get married, move forward, blah, blah, blah. Like it was so, it's so weird when you get engaged that you just kind of like, um, fall lockstep into planning a wedding and moving forward, even if it maybe isn't the right timing. Um, and the, I've done this twice now. I, I don't know, but I hope to never do that like that again. I think 
Um, I plan to actually get married someday, and when I do, I want a short engagement. I want to decide that we're getting married. Whatever the proposal is, is going to be completely different than either of my previous proposals. And I will tell you, the first thing that Dara did wrong about this proposal was she did not consult any of my friends who were my close friends, and I'm still close friends with many people that I was close friends with during my first engagement. Any one of them could have recounted the details of that proposal, uh, but Dara basically chose to propose to me on the same occasion that my first fiance did, um, which was my birthday party. Um, and so both of those times I was proposed to at a birthday party and it kind of hijacked the birthday party celebrations to be about an engagement. Um, also she got my ring from QVC, even though, I mean, I love QVC and I don't love diamonds. I am definitely a person who does not need, um, a, a quote unquote real diamond, um, because I think that they're exploitative and I think like bodies, uh, I think the way people um, price out gems and gemstones um, and crystals and all of that to be different and differently valuable, quote unquote, I just think everybody's body is equally valuable and all stones are valuable. Um, obviously, like I believe in the healing power of crystals, let's be honest about who I am, but um, I also like think that diamonds are like wildly overvalued and often sacrifice people's like well-being and um, exploit children and um, in really bloody and gross ways. And so it's not a fave industry of mine. So I didn't ever want a real diamond, but that didn't mean that I didn't want a rose quartz because it was very clear. I want a rose quartz as my ring. Um, I have said that to both of my ex-fiancés, neither of which got me a rose quartz ring. Um, both of whom got me, no, wait, no, Dara got me a pink, a faux, a faux pink diamond. Dan got me a faux, uh, like cute little like butterfly sort of, um, thing. I have all of these rings still. I don't know what I'm going to do with them. Um, they're costume. And the last time I wore the ring from Dara, it turned my hand green. So I figured that was a sign. Um, but, um, that all that to say, like the fact that she like proposed to me with the same like a ring from the same place um, on the same occasion as my first fiance, like I was triggered the first week of my engagement this time around. Like I just, it, you know, I did my best to mask it and to not let her know what was going on, but like I had to like deeply process. And at the time, I was going through this intense and wonderful coaching uh, program. Um, it was, it was called the camera ready experience. Um, and, uh, it was their like sort of bonus coaching add on level up fabulous program really did a lot of work on myself to step into and through my fear, um, and really kind of working to get into my greatness. And I have to say like, there's still stuff I've learned from camera ready that first and foremost, like launched me into who I am now. Um, but also like that is still reverberating lessons I learned from that and things like that, that are still like, um, helping me grow. Um, I really believe in coaching. I really believe in therapy. I really believe in like things that push you to be 1% better every day. Um, and so I remember like having to do some processing with my coaches about like, uh, this is really triggering me. Um, but I want to be present for the celebration of this moment. Um, but I just have to say, if you are trying to get engaged to someone who's been engaged before, Go find their besties from that period of time and find out how the first engagement went down so you really remember and figure out how yours can be different. Um, I will say, I, you know what? Anybody who thinks that they're going to propose to me later in this life, um, I'm sure has the wherewithal to go back and listen to this episode of my podcast, and I will tell you, here's what I want. I do not want a public engagement. I want it to be private. I want it to be videotaped so that I can remember it because sometimes when I'm in a surprise place, I don't 
remember, like it's hard for me to stay embodied and remember everything. So I want a videotape of it. Um, and it would be nice if there was like some sort of musical element, um, a favorite musical act, perhaps I have lots of friends who play music. That would be easy to have. Um, and some meaningful words and, um, a rose quartz. I want a rose quartz engagement ring. Still, still asking for that. Um, and you know, just like simple, beautiful, heartfelt, um, you know, maybe it involves Dolly Parton. I don't know. Um, but I just like, feel like there has to be a nice, like, I I just want to believe in, I'm going to get married again someday. And that like, I'm not going to feel triggered by a proposal because someone will have thought it through and like, be mindful of like how I, how it will land for me. Um, she spent five months planning the dance that she did for the proposal, but didn't like take 20 minutes to call Rachel in Atlanta to just be like, Hey, let me just run this by you. Right. But you know, whatever. Uh, it's clear we weren't meant to be together. Um, another thing that was really upsetting for me in the aftermath of this breakup, um, that I really like had to Monday morning quarterback with a lot of self-care and gentleness is, um, the amount of emotional abuse that was present, especially in the last year of our relationship. Um, I was not aware of it when it was happening. Um, this was all stuff that was kind of brought to my attention after the breakup. And it took, and I'm saying this first and foremost, I want to say, I am not calling Dara a quote unquote abuser. I am not asking for any kind of accountability process. I do not want any accountability from her. I don't care. Um, what I'm concerned with is that I was in a relationship that was emotionally abusive and I did not know. I was not self-aware enough to know. Um, and so like, I believe, you know, I truly believe intentions matter because intentions are where like, um, people can heal and change, uh, people who intend malice a lot harder to change than people who are just repeating subconscious patterns that they learned, um, somewhere along the way, maybe from parents or maybe elsewhere. But I didn't realize that we had, there was emotional abuse in this relationship until I had my therapist tell me, um, two of my spiritual advisors, three friends, um, including one who witnessed her being emotionally abusive to me at a party. Um, and just, you know, nobody tells me while I'm in the relationship, they tell me afterwards. Um, but, uh, and I don't fault anyone for that. I think people have a hard time knowing like when they can actually tell people about, things they're observing in relationships, but it was rough for me to learn that. And I think the thing that was the, the roughest for me about that, there was also a lot of gaslighting, um, and like blaming me for problems in our relationship, which like weren't all my fault. Um, they were, you know, either both of ours or like mutual or they weren't problems at all. They were just things that were being focused on. It was really stressful. Um, and like, I just felt like I was walking on eggshells for like the last six months of my relationship. And like, she spent three of the last four months of our relationship out of the state, like working elsewhere. So like, it was just, oh, it was rough. Um, but not seeing it, that was on me. And I really had to struggle with forgiving myself for being in an emotionally abusive relationship. And I... I saw this like as a repeat pattern because my first ex-fiance cheated on me for eight months and I didn't know. And I was just in complete denial about that. And like the thing that both of those circumstances had in common was my own self-deception, which is a trauma response that like, you know, when you need to believe your life is good, when you need to believe your relationship is intact and good and solid and moving forward, you will just like twist whatever reality is into the truth that is convenient for you. 
And that's self-deception. And um, so I've really, first and foremost, worked hard to forgive myself because, you know what? I'm a strong woman who comes from a long line of strong women who have been in really abusive relationships. Like, this is ancestral. This goes back generations. And you know where it stops? It starts, it stops right the fuck here. I'm done with this. This is over. I am now self-aware, moving forward, doing the best I can to not repeat these patterns anymore. I'm grateful this time around it was just emotional abuse. It wasn't cheating. And I'm grateful this time in my life that it's not um, physical abuse like it was for my mother. Um, And I'm grateful, you know, I'm pretty positive my grandmother had like at least definitely had emotional abuse, pretty sure there was physical abuse and very likely to be sexual abuse too in um, either of her marriages. And so, and that's just, those are the people I know. And like these things don't happen isolated. These are things that just come up and again and again. But the great thing about generational um, learnings is once you're aware of them uh, and once you're committed to personal growth, you're not doomed to repeat them. And, um, but the real place that that healing comes from is a place of self-compassion. And so I have a lot of compassion for myself for like needing and wanting this relationship to continue to sustain. And um, I will also say um, to any of my friends listening to this, if you ever feel I'm in a relationship with someone who is not good enough for me or who is not, um, or who's not treating me the way I deserve to be treated, would you please tell me? Because I would love to hear it. Sometimes I don't see it. Um, and I just don't want to keep repeating these patterns. And um, I have heard from you know, I heard from a few people about the emotional abuse, but I've heard from way more than a few people that they didn't like Dara or they didn't think she was good enough for me. And like, I think that's a very sweet sentiment, but that is something I want to hear when I'm in the relationship. I do not want to wait. Like I would rather, I have so many great friends who I've been friends with for more than a decade or plus who are awesome, who know me really well and want to see the best for me. And I know God's best is out there for me. And you know what? Like I'm working on getting my picker to be better and better. Um, and I hope next time I, I really nail it, but you know, just, just putting that out there. If you, if you see some areas for growth, I'd love to hear them. Um, this is to friends, like random stranger on the internet. I don't need your opinion, but love you. appreciate you. Um, but my friends, this is, this is a specific friend request. Um, but I think like forgiving myself is like a huge thing that I struggle with all the time. And so, and often the best thing I can do to make amends to myself is just to do better next time. And when I know better, I do better. And I'm hoping to continue, um, to do better, honestly. Um, and I'm also just like seeing this crisis moment in my life as like, uh, an opportunity to show me who I am and also understanding that's going to leave me changed and I'm going to be, an even more awesome version of myself uh, coming out of this and um, kind of doing that bit of stuff. Um, I also, let's see, I feel like that's like really dug through that relationship and and sifted through to show you the um, bits of gold I've gotten out of the shit that I've been um, panning for gold in. Um, I want to say, oh, I also like, so moving forward, Here's the biggest thing, biggest question everyone asks me is, am I dating yet? And I'll say, uh, or first people, some people ask me if Dara's dating, and I don't know, but I would say that since um, her pattern is to break up with someone over their mental health, um, then her other pattern is to date a ton of people out of the relationship. And so um, by eight months after that last breakup, um, she was dating eight people. 
Um, I'm going to say that since we're almost seven months out of this breakup, she's probably dating seven people, um, telling all of them that she can't prioritize a relationship. Um, but then by eight months, she usually gets serious about one of them. So that's my prediction. I don't know because we're not in any contact, so I don't actually know if that's true, but I just want to put that on the record. Um, as for me, I have not dated anyone. Um, I have not had sex with anyone. Um, and I am super focused on healing because, I mean, there's so many reasons why dating is not a priority for me. Uh, first and foremost, uh, as Cardi B says, I don't need the D, I need the money. Um, I am so focused on paying rent that in any spare moment I have, I am uh, working on, you know, literally, there are there spare moments? You know what I mean? Like, am, am I spending any spare moments? I, I basically get to have conversations with my friends um, and, like, maybe watch a little Big Brother. But, like, I, I'm, like, so focused on either driving Lyft or, you know, fulfilling benefits on my Patreon page, which is just, like, that's, like, my heart work, you know, is, like, teaching my weekly aerobics class and... Um, doing that little mini podcast of just like nuggets that I've learned because I want my wisdom to pass on, um, doing self-care um, so that I can want to stay alive because things have been really hard. I'll tell you emotionally, um, this has been the hardest time in my life since I was a suicidal teenager. I have not um, thought of suicide more often than now other than when I was a teenager and I work so hard to stay alive. So to me, dating is not a high priority. Um, I, I stay open, you know what I mean? Like I, I am ironically on a dating app, which I never thought that I would do so soon after my breakup, but like the week, um, she broke up with me, I got offered a hundred dollars to do an audit of hashtag open, uh, which is a really cool new dating app that, um, basically like understands the breadth of gender diversity, understands sexual diversity, and understands um, the diversity of monogamous polyamorous spectrum people. So there's just a lot of options on there. There are a lot of monogamous people on there if you're a monogs. But like if you're a poly person or you're a person in a relationship looking for a third or whatever, it's like basically like the the gold standard of what a literal open dating app should be like for true human diversity. Um, and frankly, I think it's awesome and the developers are really interested in being inclusive. Um, and I think the robots on it like work really well for a diverse population. And if you're interested in being on an app that like enables that kind of diversity, hashtag open. It's like, you know, the little pound symbol. It used to be the pound on a telephone. Remember when we had telephones? Um, and then the word open and it's on Android and iPhone. So that's the only app that I'm on because I went on to like just see what it's like. Um, another thing I like on it is that you can set your address for traveling. So I think it looks like I live in Atlanta <laughs> on there, which in my heart, I do live in Atlanta. Um, I love to date in Atlanta. I've had multiple lovers who live in Atlanta. Um, I also like have gone through and done the little Marie Kondo tap tap, you know, like when you wake up a book tap tap uh, with a few uh, of my past lovers who I would love to uh reunite with like for a moment or two um because you know like developing trust with someone new is hard but like someone you already trust who you already know is good and bad who already know respects your boundaries like uh that 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 kind of combo ooh, i'm into it um so like i definitely have done my fair share of like hey what's up messages like late at night uh to people who i have enjoyed in the past um but also like haven't really taken a lot of steps to um make anything like that happen to resurrect my life as the lesbian Jack Kerouac. Um, 
But I want to also just say, like, I'm a five and a half on the Kinsey scale, so I'm open. Like, I am, like, if, if there is, like, a man out there who wants to inspire me and is awesome and in his excellence and in personal growth and, like, um, is great in bed and, like, respects and honors my queer identity and, like, thinks that women are awesome and um, supports strong women, like, right? Like, it's so possible that there's a unicorn out there. I know that, like the more vibed up I get into who I am, like for real, the better, um, the person that I'm matched with, whether that be someone who is like my future partner or someone who is just a lover, because there's lots of ways that our connections can come together in relationships. And I am a lot more flexible about that than I used to be. I think I used to think that everyone I was connected to was like the true love of my life. Um, I think I used to be, I know I used to be that way. Um, and now I think I'm a lot more practical, um, and more willing to just be in the moment and experience what's good now and like see, um, what makes sense for later. Right. And like, I, yeah, that's kind of like where I'm at. I'm like, either you're in a lover category or you're in a suitor category, but either way, like, um, if we vibe together, we vibe together. And I kind of just like trust my flow I trust being in my purpose, like what I believe God has planned for me in my life and um, moving forward doing that. Like, I don't know where and how I'll meet the people that I'm meant to connect with next, but I trust it to happen. I'm not like super into app dating. Um, Hashtag open. You know, I haven't like, to be honest, I haven't swiped on it at all. Like I just am just not ready for that kind of stuff. Um, And I want to honor my process, but I am open, which like, I wasn't open up until like about a month ago. I was having lunch with my friend Keen and I, he asked if I was uh, dating it. And I said, you know what? I declare at this moment I'm ready. But nothing has happened and I think it's fine. So the de- the declaration is there. The activity has not happened. Um, I just, I just want to heal. I don't want to bring messy into my next relationships or connections, right? Like I just want to be like whole and heal and like um, really vibe up and vibe with somebody. I also like, um, you know, I want to cop to, uh, a way in which I think my body predicted this breakup long before, um, it happened because like I was in that coaching program I mentioned before, um, around when we got engaged. And then when I was done with that coaching program, I noticed a sharp tank in my libido. Like I just wasn't as interested in sex anymore. And I really thought it was like me resolving some trauma or something. Um, and I do believe that like, uh, my experience as a fat teenager, believing myself to be so undesirable and unfuckable, um, I think that that really did affect me as trauma, and especially as sexual trauma, and um, not as though, like, I was assaulted or anything like that, but, like, definitely something that interferes with my sexuality, but I was, like, thinking it was something like that that was, like, shaken loose by that coaching program, and that that's why I wasn't so interested in sex, but my libido returned as soon as Dara and I broke up, so I actually think... <laughs> that my body vibed out and vibed away from Dara. Like, I think like we vibed out probably about a year before we broke up. And, um, I wish I had trusted my body and trusted that she knew what was up for me and she knew what was best for me. And so, um, it's so interesting that like my body knew before I knew, and I was so committed to that relationship. Like my brain was like, no, bending over backwards, making this work, all of this stuff. And like, in fact, like maybe my body knew and like, I just needed to trust and jump and should have broken up with her. I don't know. 
Um, but we had the lesbian bed death, which I have never had before, um, in a relationship. I've, you know, like my last fiance and I, we were having sex the day we moved out. Like we were broken up and still having sex. So, um, like it was just interesting to have my first experience of lesbian bed death. Um, Dara has had lesbian bed death in every relationship. So, um, I don't know what that's about, but like, that's part of how we ended. Um, I think she was just unhappy with not getting laid, which we had an open relationship. She could have gone and gotten laid if she wanted, but she did not as as far as I know, which I kind of don't care either way. Um, but you know, for me, like I'm just staying open. Um, I feel like gender is like a whole like universe thing. I think that like, um, when I connect with people, like it's not even about like us being like, you know, it's, it's, you know, I like to identify culturally as a lesbian, but like really I'm very like queer in terms of just like gender's a universe. Let's, if you had sex with me, you would just know, like, we're just in this mishmash of like universe gender where like, we're all these things and everything's possible. And, you know, let's meet me out in space. Let's have a great time being like space explorers together. Um, but you know, I'm just, like, looking forward to continuing to learn these lessons. Um, really, really, really working to be in faith about money, that the money stuff always resolves itself, that somehow, some way, um, I will be able to pay rent. Somehow, some way, I will either get a job or get a roommate or all of the above, like, figure some stuff out, like, um, but really appreciate you tuning in and really appreciate you, you know, being present and holding space for me to like talk through all of this stuff. And I really hope that you learn some stuff about yourself and like how you can approach your breakups and relationships in new ways. And like, maybe at least just get some solidarity that like, you know, time does heal eventually and that you can look at your stuff and you're not doomed to repeat everything. And, um, that there is hope out there and that you can grow through this pain, which I believe I am growing through this pain. Um, and you know, I just want you to know wherever you are, that you are worthy of love. You're amazing. You have so much in store for you. Um, and that if you're struggling, um, like I do sometimes with suicidality, I'll tell you the thing that has been the greatest coping mechanism for me I'm a big isolator. So like, you know, when they have suicide hotlines and stuff, I'm like, I don't call suicide hotlines. And I'm not saying that with judgment. I'm just saying like, when I'm in that frame of mind, I can't ask for help. Like, it's just not available to me. But what I can do, I bargain in my brain. So I learned this technique where you take the, the you know, your sort of destructive habits or your frames of mind, your emotions, things like that. You give them names and characters in your head, kind of like the movie. Um, what's that movie? The one about all the feelings. Um... Anyway, that feelings movie, Joy, Sleep, what was that movie? Whatever. Um, anyway, so that feelings movie that has all the little characters in the brain with all the different emotions, I take the emotion of suicidality, the one that wants to give up, the one that wants to quit everything, and I gave her the name Marie Antoinette because um, she's just so fatalistic. Um, and I bargain with her anytime she shows up, and I give myself one more day. Um, and that is how I get through it just one more day. Like it's, it's kind of a day at a time thing, like similar to what I learned in the Al-Anon program, but it is really helpful for me. And that's a tool I really want to share with you. Um, and if you want any other of my self-love self-care tools, you can go to my Patreon, patreon.com slash FKDP stands for Fat Kid Dance Party. Best way to support me, um, to support this podcast, because I'd love to get a sound engineer in here, um, helping me stitch it together. My last sound engineer ghosted on me which is fine. I wish everyone grace and love and luck in their work. And, um, but you know, like we, we dream, we dream to have 
people who help us make our, our videos a little better and our sound a little tighter. Um, but anyway, I just hope wherever you are that you have some hope for the future that it's not, it's, it's all, it's all going to heal. I've, I've literally healed from every single relationship I've had in the past and I am praying to continue, um, to heal from this and hopefully like the power of six months, um, hits you well. I know that I th I feel better than I did six months ago and I'm trusting it. Um, and I'm going to play out with a song by Brandy Carlisle which really like hit me, hit home for me in this breakup. But also, um, I thought I was doing pretty okay. And then like three days ago, I was in the pet store buying my cat Biscuit Reynolds, very expensive prescription cat food. Um, it was like, gosh, like 130 something bucks. And the guy on the phone had quoted me a different price, like, like 15 bucks cheaper or something like that. And like, I was just like in the pet store waiting to confirm if I was going to get this price and just stressed out about money and stressed out about like my life. And then I heard the song Waltz Across Texas play at the pet store and I started to cry. And I was like, why am I crying about my breakup? This is six months later. Like, and of course, like I'm in self-judgment, so that makes everything worse. But I was just like crying about Waltz Across Texas at a pet store. So you know what? Like sometimes it resurges because it needs to be released. And I went to the car after, and I, luckily I did get my $15 off my expensive cat food. So thank goodness, um, for my special needs cat. And, um, I went back into the car and I just sobbed my little heart out and just let it, let it release and tried not to judge it. And so this song just seems just so much more appropriate. And anyway, wherever you are, thanks for tuning in. I love you so much. And I will talk to you next time. Love song was playing on the radio. It made me kind of sad because it made me think of you. I don't wonder how you're doing, but I wish I didn't care because I gave you all I had and got the worst of you. Except for any time I hear that song and Didn't it break your heart When you watched my smile fading Did it ever cross your mind That one day the tables would be turned They told me the best revenge would be a life well in And the strongest one that holds Would be the hardest one to earn By the way, I forgive you After all, maybe I should thank you For giving me what I found Cause without you around I've been doing just fine Except for any time I hear that song Ooh. Oh, any time I hear that song 
When I woke up in the morning I was choking on some words There were things unsaid between us There were things you never told That's twice you broke my heart down The first was way back when And to know you're still unhappy Only makes it break again Fine. 